Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Hello, beloved family. How are you doing? I pray that you're well. I apologize for not being with you yesterday. Uh, Looks like we have a problem with our screen, don't we, James? What happened? Okay, I'm going to see if I could reconnect us. Hold on. I don't know why that happens, beloved. We're going to try again. Hold on. Either I'm not here Oh, we have technical problems. You think the enemy doesn't want this? How's that, James? That looks okay? Okay. All right. So, I pray that you're well. And this is Septuagesima. It's the three-week preparation for Lent. Um, And um, it's a very, very special time of year, which through my entry into the church, uh, attending the Novus Ordo as I did, my glasses are still a wreck because we picked up a stray dog and he chewed them. So we're feeding him food instead now. (laughs) Um, But I attended the Novus Ordo and knew nothing of Septuagesima or Sexagesima or Quinquagesima or Quadquagesima, all the beautiful preparation for Easter and fasts and prayers we have such a treasure in the Catholic Church. I think I've said it once when I came into the Catholic Church after 18 years of evangelical Protestantism trying to save Catholics and then from a Jewish heritage, um, I came into the church and I felt like a little child. Not only did I have returned to me the reverence that I knew as a child in the synagogue, but I felt like a little child, a five-year-old, outside of a huge uh, retailer like Sam's or Costco, and I'm looking, but the entire store is a candy store, and I'm looking in from the outside with my nose against the window, looking in and saying, it's mine, it's all mine, and 10 lifetimes, I'll never be able to go through it. That's how I felt when I became Catholic. I still feel that way. I still feel that way. It's such a treasure. I feel better now because even more so because now I have a glimpse of the depth of the treasure and it's so, so beautiful. So uh, last time, a Friday I think it was, we talked about Septuagesima and I came across a beautiful sermon. Actually, it was initially for children and for those of you who were not uh, in the Latin Mass on Sunday, um, which is the which was the gospel for the laborers in the vineyard, um, or you uh, um, Novus Ordo, or you weren't there, or you were there. I'm going to read you a different homily um, by Father Raphael Frazinetti, and it was written in the 1900s. It's a treasure, beloved. I'm going to read the gospel for those who didn't have it or as a refresher. It's from Matthew chapter 20, the first 16 verses. And it reads, at this time, Jesus said to his disciples, this parable, the kingdom of heaven is like to a householder 
who went early in the morning to hire laborers into his vineyard. And having agreed with the laborers for a penny a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And a, a denarius, the scriptures say, but a denarius is comparable uh, to our penny. <clears throat> and that was a day's wages. It was sufficient then. And going out about the third hour, he saw others standing in the marketplace idle. And he said to them, go you also into my vineyard and I will give you what shall be just. And they went their way. And again, he went out about the sixth hour and the ninth hour and did in like manner. But about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing. And he saith to them, why stand you here all the day idle? They say to him, because no man hath hired us. And he saith to them, go you also into my vineyard. And when evening was come, the Lord of the vineyard said to his steward, call the laborers and pay them their hire, beginning from the last even to the first. When therefore they were come, that came about the eleventh hour, they received every man a penny. But when the first also came, they thought they should receive more. And they also received every man a penny. And receiving it, they murmured against the master of the house, saying, These last have worked but one hour, and thou hast made them equal to us, that have borne the burden of the day and the heats. But he answering said to one of them, Friend, I do thee no wrong. Didst thou not agree with me for a penny? Take what is thine and go thy way. I will also give to this last, even as to thee. Or is it not lawful for me to do what I will? Is thy eye evil, because I am good? So shall the last be first, and the first last. For many are called, but few are chosen. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to thee, Lord Jesus Christ. And the sermon begins now. And it was initially written for children, beloved. The kingdom of heaven is like to the father of a family who goes out very early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. He comes to the square in the city where workmen gather, waiting for someone to engage them. He finds them there and hires them to work in his vineyard, agreeing to give them a penny a day. Three hours afterwards, he goes there again and finds some more who wish to work. These also he sends to work and promises them what is just. Again, three hours afterward, he does the same, and also at the ninth hour, which is in the afternoon, about three in the afternoon, when the heat of the day is over and the day is far spent. Well, I guess the ninth hour, let's say six, nine, twelve, three, six, I guess it would be six, nine, I think the ninth hour, I'd have to figure that out, but it's the heat of the day. So um, the afternoon when the heat of the day is over and the day is far spent, it's probably six at night. When they could not expect to be hired except for small jobs, still this father of a family whose work was very pressing hires them also. Not yet satisfied, just before the last hour, he goes to the marketplace and still there are some standing waiting thinking perhaps that they may obtain work for the day following. But so great was the hurry of the father of the family 
that these also he sends to his vineyard to work for that one short hour. Who is that father of a family, my dear young people, he says. He is our good God. It is the Lord of heaven and earth who wants us all, without exception, to go to work in his vineyard, which is the church. As is stated, he is continually calling and sending laborers to his vineyard. But your own little soul is also meant in speaking of the vineyard. From your earliest childhood, God has called you to work there. Have you worked hard and faithfully that a good harvest might be obtained? Perhaps you have not given it a thought and have been idle all the day. All your thoughts and endeavors were directed to enjoying yourself in this world. You passed your time in play and idleness. The word of God was loathsome to you. Not only did you not think of doing right, but you even looked forward to do evil. You labored to ruin your soul. You grew fatigued in the ways of wickedness. You would not listen to the loving invitation of God. Go you also into my vineyard. Great will be the punishment of such young people. But you, my willing young people, will listen to the invitation and at once proceed to the cultivation of your hearts. Listen to the instruction of your parents. Look for the society of good companions. Attend to the prayers and exhortations of your teachers and your confessors. Continually, hour after hour, our Lord knocks at the door of your hearts. He wants to enter and remain there. He is anxious to obtain full possession of your soul. He's not looking for a share in your heart, but for the whole of it. The heart is, after all, small. The more you give it to the world, the less will remain for God. St. Teresa of Avila had affection. Hold on a moment. St. Teresa had affection for a certain relative. She noticed her attachment was becoming stronger, and she gave it up. Then our Lord said to her, Now you are altogether mine and I am yours. But some of you may say that according to the gospel, it does not seem necessary to go to work at the first call. It will be repeated several times in the future and all will heed it. God is so good. He will gladly receive us into his vineyard at any time of our life. Had the workmen who stood there waiting awaiting a call, said, Well, we will not go now, but we'll wait till later in the day. What would the father of the family have said? Would he have waited for them? I will give you the answer when we come back from the break, and it's not positive, beloved. And at the second break, we'll have our whole half hour to ourselves for your calls and your emails. And the toll-free number is one 877 511 5483 or email at mother at the station of the cross.com and we'll be right back.
manifestation of the cross, we proudly bring the truths of the Catholic faith to countless listeners through radio and mobile devices, and we're grateful for the feedback we've received. It just really connected me to my faith. I always considered myself 100% Catholic, but didn't really realize that I wasn't fully practicing my faith, so I learned so much through the Stations on the Cross and began just getting deeper in my prayers and feeling just so much closer to God and so well-versed in learning more about the Bible and more about what actually it means to be Catholic. So it became very, very important to me, and I listen to the radio station daily, and I absolutely love it. I make it a regular practice of donating every time they have their, their fundraising and just love it and wouldn't want it to ever go away. If you've been blessed by listening to the Station of the Cross, let us know. Call one 877-888-6279, extension 112. Then share your testimonial with us. The Station of the Cross began broadcasting in Buffalo, New York in 1999. Since then, our listening areas have multiplied and expanded into several states. While our mission is to grow the Catholic faith through radio and other media outlets, our apostolate is supportive of but independent from your local diocese. Through your generosity, we are able to inspire countless listeners with the gospel and help lead them to a parish to be spiritually nourished by the sacraments. Today on The Simple Truth, live at 4 p.m. Eastern, it's Testimony Tuesday, where we bring you real, live, first-hand testimonial accounts of the life-giving reality of Jesus and His Catholic Church. Our guests today are Michael Forbes and David Schaefer of Mary's Town Productions, which is a movement of prayer in Hollywood for the entertainment industry. Hear what God has done in the lives of Michael and David and learn more about how Mary's Town is working to change the culture in Hollywood on The Simple Truth, live at 4 p.m. Eastern today. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. We are reading a, um, a children's uh, sermon written in 1900 uh, for Septuagesima. Um, and it's about the laborers in the field that the man, the father of a family, had so much work to do, he went out early in the morning and hired laborers and three hours later took in more, three hours later took in more, and kept going out every three hours and took in more. And finally there was one hour left to the day. Um, it was already at night. And there were still some laborers, and he needed work, so he hired them as well. And he promised the first laborers he'd give them a penny or a denarius, which was at that time a day's salary. And when they all finished, the the vineyard uh, owner gave those who worked the whole heat of the day from morning on, the same wage as he gave the ones that worked just the last hour. And so the first ones, they complain, well, how come we bore the heat of the day? We did all that work and, and you gave them the same as us and they only worked one hour. And the vineyard said, I did you no wrong. We agreed for a denarius a day, a penny a day. I did no, no wrong. Are you jealous because I want to do with my own what is good? and give them the same. I didn't cheat you. We agree on this. 
Now, I know many in this world still don't think that's fair, but the fact is God is not fair. If God were fair, the wages, their wages were a penny a day. The scriptures say the wages of sin is death. If God were fair, we have earned death. We deserve death. We would be dead. But God is not fair. He gives, he withholds in his mercy what we do deserve, which is death. And he gives us in his grace what we don't deserve, which is all of life in him, if we come to him. Some may say that according to the gospel, it does not seem necessary to go to work. At the first call, there is time enough. The invitation will certainly be repeated several times in the future, and all will heed it. God is so good. He will gladly receive us into his vineyard at any time of our life. Had the workman who stood there awaiting a call said, well, we'll, we won't go now. We'll wait till later in the day. What would the father of the family have said? Would he have waited for them? No, it's not likely. Even though God is merciful and of infinite goodness, will he continue to waste his invitation on unwilling creatures? It is not this good God, is not this good God worthy to be served by you from your childhood? Are you going to give him only the last days of your life? Oh, I don't believe I just did that. Hold on. Okay, here it is. Sorry. Um, He who is worthy, are you going to give him only the last days of your life? He who is worthy of all love? We would certainly fall into despair if we came to the end of our lives and found we had done nothing for the glory of God. There lived a certain man who spent the most of his life in enjoyments. He used to say, how beautiful the world is. I have all I want, money in plenty, servants at my command, good food, magnificent estates, and agreeable companions. Let me have a carnival, the whole year, carnival the whole year round. In this way, he continued to live the most of his life. But in old age, he began to think that there was another world where he knew he would be unhappy for all eternity. He became a religious and consecrated himself entirely to God. In the beginning, the poor man was so ashamed of himself before God that he had enjoyed the wicked world and now was willing to cheat the devil that it seemed almost dishonest of him to participate in so much glory in heaven when he had deserved nothing but condemnation in hell. He seemed to hear a voice within him saying, You are a nice fellow. You got all the pleasure that was possible out of the world. And when it has lost its charms, you give the leavings to God. What do you think God can do with such refuge? It was enough to drive him to despair. For what answer could he make? The case was plainly against him. You, my dear young people, began long ago to serve God. All your days have been spent in his service. If sometimes you have fallen, you have begun again. St. Thomas says that they who have served God from childhood will certainly be saved. There was in Capernaum a centurion, a soldier and a heathen, whose servant lay at the point of death. He came to our Lord and laid his trouble before him. 
My servant lieth at home sick of the palsy and is grievously tormented. I will come and heal him, said our Lord. But the centurion did not expect so great a favor. He repeated those admirable words, Lord, I'm not worthy that thou shouldst enter under my roof, but only say the word, and my servant shall be healed. When evening came, the father of the family gave orders that each one should receive what he had earned, the last as well as the first. And what reward did the last get? They received as much as those who had worked since earliest morning. But why were they all paid equally? Because the last were full of fervor and zeal and had the good intention of laboring faithfully. God, you see, not only pays us for our work, but also for our intention. Have the intention to do great things for God. And even though you do not perform them, they will be placed to your credit. In the morning, say your prayers. And at the same time, wish that you could pray always. Hear Mass with the feeling that you would like to heal all the, hear all the Masses that are celebrated all over the world. Go to communion occasionally, wishing that you could receive Jesus every day. Study to bring back wayward youths by your words and good example, praying that Almighty God may extend the favor of his graces to all that have gone astray. Suffer patiently, for God's sake, the little injuries that one meets with in everyday life, with the resolution of enduring any injuries, fatigues, or labors that God may be pleased to send you. Would you not become very rich in merit if you lived in this manner? God, on the last day, will call his faithful servants to sit on his own throne and will fill them with great joy. If you think of this, how careful you will be to remain faithful to God and endeavor to merit more. The trouble with all of us in this world is that we forget that heaven is to be the reward of our good actions. My young people, raise your eyes to heaven. Do much good. Lead holy lives. The power of paradise. In the time of St. Augustine, There lived in Rome a lady named Melania. One day, she began to think seriously of her salvation. Moved by this thought, she gave up all the gaieties of the world and began to mortify herself so much that in a short time she became became greatly emaciated. Her uncle, a man without much conscience, had not been at home when she was converted. And when he saw her face colorless and reduced in flesh, he cried out, Is this the handsome lady, Melania? She gave him this beautiful answer. The love of heaven hath done this. The words were spoken with such fervor and conviction that he was converted, though the eloquent sermons of St. Augustine had never made any impression on him. My dear young people, No longer hesitate to make the good resolution to gain heaven at any cost. Omit nothing that will conduce to that end. Do not believe yourself secure until you are in heaven. For our Lord concludes in his gospel by saying, Many are called, 
but few are chosen. Be not terrified or disheartened by these words, for only those will lose heaven who neglect only those will lose heaven who neglect the things that would bring them there. Pray then a great deal, go to confession often, receive communion frequently, avoid mortal sin, hate even venial sins, and you will surely go to heaven. There's a little five-line verse at the end of this sermon. And it's titled, I must, I know, I will. I must be good because God wills it. I know I can be good because God is my help. I will be good because I want to please God. Oh my God, I adore thee and I love thee above all things. Help me to cure myself of my faults. Beloved, we should go through these, um, this sermon, these words in our examination of conscience every single day. I'm reading from the website catholicharboroffaithandmorals.com catholicharboroffaithandmorals.com In all my years, I have not come across a more magnificent website, catholicharboroffaithandmorals.com, all one word. Absolutely tremendous. They have a little search box up at the top left, and you could put in just about any subject. And all these homilies, all these sermons are from the 18 and 1900s, before the devil messed with Scripture and the teaching of the church. Nothing has changed, beloved. Absolutely nothing has changed. Not through Vatican II, not through any of the popes. Nothing has changed. It is the faith once delivered to the saints. And you would be, you would do well to raise your children in it. Um, I think every word, they have music, seasons. Um, if you want to know what the Catholic faith is and how to live it, go to Catholic Harbor, especially Marriage and the Family, Catholic Harbor of faithandmorals.com, and to the Council of Trent, otherwise um, notated hugely, uh, called the Catholic, the Catechism Explained. That's your food, beloved. That's your food from heaven. Don't wait until the last hour. Read it and begin to live it and keep nothing to yourself. The world is dying. Your neighbors are dying and they need the gospel. They need the truth. They don't need a watered down or vanilla Catholicism. They need the Catholicism that will tell them how to put sin away and be on their way to heaven. And if we know and we don't tell them we are worse than thieves, we are murderers. If we know the way to life and we keep it to ourselves, we are murderers, beloved. There's the music for our second break, and we'll be right back. Take your calls, your emails, um, whatever's on your heart. Toll free. Our lines are open. 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at the station of the cross dot com would be right back.
Foundation of the Cross has many ways to keep you informed about our programming. You can view the highlights of our primetime programming schedule or the full 24-7 programming grid at both thestationofthecross.com or the free iCatholic Radio app. Just search under the Programming tab. Our website also offers a printable version for your convenience. I'm Debbie Giorgiani. And I'm Adam Bly. Join us for the spirit world on the Station of the Cross. If we're really going to suffer, we really need to suffer here when we're in the church militant phase, right? The most difficult part for the poor soul is that they had some amount of that beatific vision in their judgment. They know they're going to get back to God, but then they're separated from God. So that's kind of the worst part because that's a spiritual suffering. The spirit world every Saturday at 11 a.m. right here on the Station of the Cross. The Catholic Current, bringing Christ to the world and the world to Christ. I think we have to go into prayer knowing that we're being contested for. Oh, yes. Uh, if we didn't have guardian angels guarding us, we would we would be uh, suckers and losers infallibly to uh, immensely superior forces. Uh, the devil's terrified of prayer. The Catholic Current, 5 p.m. Eastern, from the Station of the Cross and on the iCatholic Radio mobile app. 30 Seconds on the Gifts of the Holy Spirit, brought to you by the Station of the Cross. The gift of understanding helps our minds to comprehend religious and natural truths. This is why discussions with unbelievers don't always end in conversion. It's true, they may see your point and still choose to act differently, but many times they do not have the gift of understanding. Be patient. Thank God for the gift of understanding and pray for others to receive that gift as well. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. We are live, and this is our half hour. It's my favorite time. Our lines are wide open, and you are welcome to call in with anything whatsoever on your heart. Toll free, 1-877-511-5483, or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We have an email from Miguel. Miguel says, is it actually possible to prove that God exists to an atheist without using the Bible or sacred scripture as a reference. I ask because these people always seem to want some sort of scientific proof or evidence. Otherwise, they cannot be convinced. I am surrounded by atheists in my workplace, and although they are actually decent people, it still bothers me that they are so adamantly against my own beliefs and I wish I could open their eyes a bit. I tell you, Miguel, um, I've rarely met someone who calls himself an atheist who um, almost wishes to remain an atheist because they want to live the way they live, end of story, without any uh, moral uh, demands or consequences. I'm not saying that's true of these people or everyone, but it's often true. Um, I, I, I don't know. You can say to them, um, 
they want some sort of scientific proof, and they're in your workplace. Maybe start by asking them how the workplace, the building came to be. Well, how did this building get here? And they would say, by builders, contractors, they built it right. Um, how did this uh, computer get here? Well, someone made it, right? Everything you see was made by someone. Well, how could all of creation be here? Um, the sky, the sea, human beings, animals, dogs, cats, um, horses, cows, um, flowers. How could it all be here without a maker? How could your watch exist unless there was a watchmaker? How could all of creation exist if there wasn't a creation maker? Um, well, where is he? We can't see him. He's God. He's outside of time. Well, who made him? No one made God. He's outside of time. We're in time. God created all that is, including you. Um, you know, it, it's, um, and I would say to them, you want scientific proof, but for you to believe that everything came from nothing is the most unscientific uh, conclusion you could ever make, that everything would come from nothing. Um, all science can do is prove what exists, what already exists. Um, it cannot prove how it came to exist unless it's a material thing. You can prove your computer, how it came to exist. You had all the parts. Where did the parts come? Other parts. But where did they come from? Eventually, um, there's no answer. Um, eventually, there needed to be a, an unmoved mover. There needed to be someone who started it all. And that someone is God, and no one made him because he's God. If someone made God, um, that one would be God. So um, I think two and two is four, and there's no one uh, who could conceive that a watch, like the Big Bang Theory, you just threw all the parts in the air and it came all together and went on your wrist. That's insane. It's insane. And, um, And if someone says scientific proof that the watch didn't put itself together, someone would be um, not serious to go that far in, in uh, actually statements of, of pure nonsense that, that bear no logic. So try, don't use scripture, don't use uh, the, what the faith says, but... Um, uh, just let them answer questions about their own existence. You live in a house. Where did the house come from? You walk on streets. Where did that come from? Um, you also might look at a book by um, Patrick Coffin. Um, it, it ha- it's written for atheists. I don't remember the title, but it's just do a search for atheism and Patrick Coffin. Um, it's very, very good. Okay. Um, we have an email from Dorothy, and Dorothy says, why are there so many different denominations of Protestantism, all of whom think that they are correct? Well, I I grew up in one of those. I was converted uh, from my Jewish background to evangelical Christianity and and was raised, so to speak, the next 18 years in the so-called denomination of non-denominationalism. It's because Protestantism, Protestantism, Dorothy, 
comes from protest, protestantism. And during the Reformation, led by Martin Luther and uh, John Calvin and Zwingli and others, they protested the Catholic faith that existed for 1,500 years and did away with the papacy and did away with the... um, the canon of scripture and the sacraments and so many things and formed their own churches. Well, during Martin Luther's time, that was the first um, major uh, split. And well, no, that's the second. The first was the East-West split. Um, And the Reformation in the 1500s was huge. And those who followed Martin Luther, he told them what the scripture meant by what it said. And he contradicted the Catholic faith in doing so because he said, we have the indwelling Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit tells us the meaning of what he wrote through human beings, through men. But then even those in Luther's day said, well, you're telling us we have the Holy Spirit and can interpret Scripture for ourselves, and we disagree with your interpretation. He said, well, you can't disagree. That's what it means by what it says. They said, how do you know? Because of the Holy Spirit. And you said, but you told us we have the Holy Spirit, and we disagree with you. So within Luther's time, early, uh, mid-16th century, the 1500s, already people were uh, separating from Luther. And then there was Calvinism uh, uh, through Calvin and um, Zwingli. And by today, there's over 50,000 Protestant denominations, each one saying this way to God. Because there's only one way to God. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And the majority of these Protestant denominations will agree with that, but they have different ways to Jesus. One says you have to be baptized. One says, no, you don't. Water just makes you wet. One says you could lose your salvation. One says no. Very crucial things. My brother, when he was looking into the Catholic Church, said um, to me, I was trying to save him from being Catholic, and he said to me, "If if there was, if God left us away, to know what he meant by what he said in scripture. He said to me, would you want to know that? I said, well, of course I'd want to know that. I want... And he said, my brother David said, that's the question. Did God leave us a way to know what he meant by what he said? Well, the answer, after my four and a half year agonizing study, uh, the end of which I entered the Catholic Church, is yes, he did. Through scripture and through the church fathers who were discipled by the apostles directly. They know what they knew, what God meant by what he said. God established his church, not churches, not thousands of denominations. One church, read the Gospel of Matthew, which he promised to lead into all truth till the end of time, against which the gates of hell would not prevail. So you have a new fervent convert to Christianity through some form of Protestantism, and he starts his own church in his fervor. And he's so fervorous, so much fervor, and he loves scripture, and he's teaching, and he builds up a following. And then after a time, some that are followed him begin to study the scriptures. They begin to disagree with him. They say, no, 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 he's off on me. He's a good man, but he's off. And he goes off and starts his own church. And that's how we have 
50,000 Protestant denominations, all that think that they're correct, against one Catholic church that has stood for 2,000 years with the likes of us in it and every attack of the devil. Um, We have an email from someone who writes anonymously and says, how do we ever return to the point where Catholics are focused on uniting against evil rather than spending so much time needlessly arguing with one another? Oh, oh, for that day. It is discouraging seeing so many Catholics attacking each other for different beliefs when we're all supposed to be on the same team. And frankly, it seems like a waste of time. It's absolutely a waste of time. It's absolutely a waste of time. I'm going to tell you a little story. It's from the Screwtape letters. Screwtape, representing the devil, was sending his little demons out, mimicking Jesus um, two by two to tempt Catholics and other Christians that God doesn't exist, or at least that the scriptures are false, or that this is all foolishness. So they went out, these two, and they came back all excited, And they said to Satan, we told them, we told them straight to their face. We told them there's no God. He said, you got to be, come on. These are faithful Catholics. They know there's a God. They know that. Go, go, go back. Do better. So uh, two little demon disciples went out and came back excited again. And they said to Satan, we told them this time. We told them the scripture wasn't God's word. It's just the word of man. It's fake. And the demon said, you, you don't get it. These are Catholics. They know their faith. You can't, you can't come against them with such fundamental truths. They know God exists. They know the scriptures, God's word. Get out of here. Go do better. And so they went out again, and they came back the third time. And they said, we told them there's time. He said, now you got it. That now you got it. Now you can graduate as demons. There's time. Tell them there's time. They know the truth. But don't do anything about it. Keep, keep on your sin. Keep living with people you're not married to. Keep dishonoring your parents. Uh, keep your um, sinful habits. Uh, keep living your loose life. Keep doing that. There's time. There's time. Look, didn't... Didn't the vineyard uh, hire people at the last hour of the day? There's time. There's time. There's no time. That's why Satan said, you got it. There is no time. So, dear Anonymous, when you say it seems like a waste of time, it's exactly what it is. And it's just what the devil wants. That Catholics, never mind thousands of Protestant denominations, but Catholics will be arguing within the church on what is true. Why is that? Because at the moment, as the Pope Paul VI said, Satan has entered the church, and division and confusion are his top tactics in the church. Outside the church, people are doing their own thing to not get to heaven. But inside the church, he comes in to divide and cause confusion. He is the father of lies. And so we have a magisterium at moment and a Holy Father who is causing more confusion in the church than thousands have done because of his position. This whole business about 
blessing same-sex couples or even individuals is demonic. It cannot happen. It cannot be. Um, the whole support for LGBTQ, if you support someone who's homosexual, you are paving their way to hell. If you are in those sins, beloved, you can repent before you go to sleep tonight. Go find a good holy priest. Tell him your lifestyle. Tell him you need help to get out of it. But if you stay in it and you fall asleep and you die in your sleep, you will not see heaven ever. So that's the answer. We are supposed to be uniting against evil, but we're not even sure what evil is. We're calling evil good and good evil. It's just what the scriptures say the enemy would lead us to do, beloved. Believe the truth. Read the scriptures. Believe the truth. We'll be right back. Hello, beloved. This is Mother Miriam. How would you like to wake up each morning to inspiring sermons from knowledgeable and faith-filled priests? You can tune in to Sermons for Everyday Living every day at 6 a.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross. You can listen on thestationofthecross.com or anytime on the free iCatholic Radio mobile app. God bless you. Here at the Station of the Cross, we proudly bring the truths of the Catholic faith to countless listeners through radio and mobile devices, and we're grateful for the feedback we've received. I discovered the Station of the Cross rather providentially a year ago. I've been a loyal listener ever since. I can't overestimate the value of the station, what it's made a difference in my life in terms of making me better informed Catholic. It has enriched my faith and sold me during tough times. It made me laugh on several occasions. I commend the important work of this great apostolate. I'm a stay-at-home mom. I listen to the radio. And if I can listen to something that brings me closer to God, closer to Jesus Christ, then it's the most beautiful thing. If you've been blessed by listening to the Station of the Cross, let us know. Call 1-877-888-6279, extension 112. Then share your testimonial with us. Hear a powerful sermon you need to share with a loved one? Maybe there's a guest, prayer, or teaching segment that deserves another listen. You can listen to any of our network-produced programs at your convenience by finding us wherever you enjoy podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podbean, and the free iCatholic Radio app. Be uplifted in your faith. Listen today at thestationofthecross.com or on your favorite podcasting platform. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. Uh, we are live, and I'm thrilled to be with you. And we have a good 10 minutes. Uh, it's always a good 10 minutes. Time is good. It's a gift from God. Um, and you are welcome to call in still uh, with anything on your heart, toll free, one 511 5483 or email at mother at com. We have an email from Joseph 
who writes, Dear Mother Miriam, I've watched your presentation concerning Vatican II and the family. As we know, there is no such thing as divorce, since a marriage between two Catholics celebrated according to God's law remains valid while both spouses are living. That is correct, Joseph. Thank you. However, here in England, for legal reasons that I do not fully understand, it would seem that before annulment can be considered, there is an expectation from the diocese that the couple will already have begun civil divorce proceedings. Well, it's not a spiritual matter. Uh, We have the same thing in the United States. And my guess at that is that we are subject, uh, Romans chapter 13 tells us, we are subject to the law. And so if someone's been married under the law, um, they're not married in God's eyes if they're not married sacramentally. But if they've been married under the law, um, then even though divorce does not separate a married couple, they are still married in God's eyes. They need to be free from the law that says that they're married. They need to be free from the uh, um, human um, uh, laws that govern marriage. So as long as they have a paper saying they're divorced, they're not under any obligation to one another, um, if, if that's the way the proceedings go. So it, it doesn't mean they're no longer married, because if they were truly married um, and they, were, they had a Catholic marriage, they're still married. The divorce makes it proceedings from the law, which has nothing to do with their spirituality, uh, just um, it frees them from any, um, uh, any obligations of the law. Joseph goes on to say, Odd as that may be, I have something of even greater concern. A couple, baptized Catholic, have divorce proceedings nearly complete on the grounds that the husband became alcoholic and abusive towards his wife. In hindsight, the better route, morally speaking, would surely have been to seek a separation for the duration of the problem. Joseph, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. No divorce, nothing. Just separate. Because you are, if it's a true marriage, you are married until one of the spouses dies. However, Joseph says, the wife appears not to have considered this resorting to remedy through the civil courts. More than this, she sought the help of a friend, a baptized Catholic, to help her through the legal machinery. Is there a moral problem of some kind? Well, there is. Um, She's free to seek divorce, but she's still married to that man. If they had a true Catholic marriage, she's still married. And a divorce certificate means nothing. She may not date. She may not remarry. Not even date. Because she's still married in God's eyes, if it was a true marriage. Joseph said, I sought the advice of a priest, but was told not to worry, pointing out that annulment would in any case involve civil divorce. I am sure that God sees this very differently. And I would really do with some sound Catholic advice. With my prayers and thanks, Joseph. Bless you, Joseph. Um, I tell you, when I read uh, an email like this that's so clearly and thoroughly and wonderfully Catholic, my heart, my heart leaps. Um, an annulment, uh, to make that clear, is not a Catholic divorce. 
If you get a divorce, you are legally divorced as far as the law is concerned. But if you truly had a Catholic marriage, you're still married and you may not do anything about it and you may not date. Um, uh, as long as one of you are alive because you're still married in God's sight. What an annulment does, if through the marriage you say that the husband, let's see, um, became alcoholic and abusive toward his wife, that does not say that the marriage wasn't legal. That would give, as Joseph says, grounds for the wife and the husband to separate so um, be free of any physical abuse, to separate, to sacrifice and pray that God would help that husband uh, to, uh, to reconcile and to be healed. So separate, yes, get away from the abuse, but it's got nothing to do with divorce, divorce or annulment. Annulment would come in if he was already abusive and an alcoholic when they married. If that's the case if there was any case of abuse, um, then he could not have taken his marriage vows. And um, because his marriage vows is to love and to cherish his wife till death do them part. So if there was anything against that valid marriage, then they weren't truly married. And they've been living in, under the law, married, but they have not been living in God's eyes married. And they would need, if they wanted to marry, and have their marriage raised to the level of a sacrament, they would need to, um, her husband would need to, um, uh, to give up the alcoholism, uh, to give up uh, the abuse, all of that, um, and be converted. And they could, their marriage could be raised to a sacrament in the church. So um, your priest, um, he's pointing out that annulment would in any case involve civil divorce. Well, it usually does because the couple is, you, is normally um, counseled to get the divorce, which has nothing to do with their marriage in God's eyes, but it frees them from any tie to the civil law. And that's just a little piece of paper to get out of the way. But now they have to find out if the marriage was true to begin with. And that's what the annulment process does. And if they receive a degree of nullity, what it says was that their marriage isn't broken up. The marriage is null and void from the beginning, meaning it never took place. It was never a marriage in God's eyes. And so, yes, they can separate. They can go their ways because the marriage was never valid. If the annulment process shows that their marriage vows were valid, that they were both capable in, in the mindset of knowing what, what they were vow, vowing. Um, they were both open to life and children and the Catholic faith and raising their children in the faith. All that was present with no impediments. That their mar Then their marriage is true and there can be no annulment. There can be no decree that the marriage is null and void because what God has put together, no man can separate. And that's the process of annulment, to go back, not if your husband or your wife committed 10 murders since marriage, no, to go back to the circumstances of your marriage to find out if it was, in God's sight, a valid marriage. If it was, regardless of what's happened since then, the couple is married, uh, and you can do nothing about it till one of the spouses dies, but you can separate, as Joseph said, um, 
and eliminate the danger of abuse. Um, Okay, that's, Joseph, you've got it. That's very, very good. There's our closing music, beloved. Uh, God willing, and I I pray he is willing, we will be with you tomorrow and the rest of the week. Um, I pray you have a wonderful Septuagesima week. Next Sunday will be Septuagesima is seven uh, weeks before Easter, and um, Sextuagesima this coming Sunday will be six weeks before Easter. So God, and we're preparing for Lent is what we're doing. Um, So God bless you. We'll speak with you tomorrow.